0: Is loyalty to your boss or your job getting in the way of a pay rise? According to some new research this week, young people are losing, on average, about $7,500 a year if they don't move jobs, if they don't move around. Now, we know that switching jobs is one of the best ways to get yourself a wage increase, yet workforce mobility in Australia has actually been in decline for decades. Aaron Wong is Senior Research Economist at E61 Institute. He's crunched the numbers for us on this. Aaron, welcome to Saturday Extra.
1: Good morning, Fran. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: Aaron, switching jobs to increase your salary, it's not a new idea. So what's going on? Why are Australians staying put?
1: Absolutely. Job switching is something which people do day to day. But our research has found that the rate of job mobility has declined over the past three decades from you know, somewhere like 15% of workers switching jobs a few decades ago. to only about 9.5% switching jobs in the last um, last year. There's quite a few factors that we've identified that are barriers to switching, and a lot of these are policy-related. They include things like non-compete agreements, overly uh, bureaucratic occupational licensing arrangements across the states, as well as things like housing policy, like stamp duty discouraging people from moving home, which is often something you have to do in order to switch to a new job in a different part of Australia.
0: And workforce mobility, as you say, it's been slowing for a long time. It's not a result of COVID or anything like that. Um, quantify this for us. What's your change of job worth? And is it only the case if you're headhunted? You know, what's the variation, the variables here?
1: Yeah, so our research has found that switching jobs compared to staying at the same job on average means that you're earning about nine percentage points more than if you stayed. Mm-hmm. In dollar terms, for the typical worker, that's about five, over $5,500 per year if you move to a better matching job than if you stayed. Um, so, this this gain comes from what economists like to call better matching, where the skills and experiences that you bring to the job are a better, a closer match to the sorts of things that your new employer demands from the position. So, this could come from you looking for a job yourself. Also, when headhunting, the, the mechanism doesn't really matter. It's all about having a better match between you and your employer.
0: And, what and our, we're finding that... Sorry, that, you go on, Aaron. Sorry.
1: Yeah, and we're finding that these gains are bigger for younger workers, but it's older workers because younger workers tend to, you know, uh, be less well-matched to their first job. Like, obviously, like, if you think back to your first job, it probably wasn't super suitable for your skills, whereas moving to your next job is probably better for that.
0: Okay, and what are the factors in someone changing their job or or not changing their job?
1: Um, it, In terms of the factors that... About around changing jobs, I guess it's about having the opportunity there. Yeah. Um, for a lot of workers, uh, if you're job hopping, you might be bound by things like a non compete where you've got an agreement in your contract saying that you can't switch to another job in this industry. So that's stopping people from moving jobs. Now, we expect, like, like you and I probably assume, that this re- is really only a factor for you know, high paying executives yeah. or, or people like that, people who actually have kind of like company secrets that people are trying to protect. Earlier research that E61 did found that a lot of Australians who are in everyday jobs like you know clerical jobs or even laborers were bound by these non-competes. I think some of our work showed that somewhere around 15% of these workers are bound by these these agreements like people like hairdressers. Like, is it really likely that your hairdresser is going to be stealing some secret haircut when they switch employers and they should be bound by these sorts of agreements? I don't think so.
0: No, I don't think so either. In fact, it's news to me that these non-compete clauses were were so widely used. Are they they legal? Are they arbitrary? You know, what can be done about this?
1: Um, well, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't comment <laughs> on the exact legalities of um non-compete agreements. Um, but I, but we think that this is a matter for the government to to legislate or regulate around, right? Um whether or not these these clauses continue to you know continue to show up in a lot of agreements, that's something that the government can look at through the fair work legislation and that sort of thing. So this is kind of you know evidence we're presenting to policymakers to show them that this could be an issue that you might want to think about and we'll leave it to the politicians to to work on.
0: Nick, we're coming out of COVID. Uh, there seems, there's been very low unemployment, which means you'd think there'd be plenty of opportunities for moving around. Uh, one caller has asked, um, do firms not agree not to hire for each other? I think they do. do what do you think? That was the uh, listener who thinks friend. they do, not me. I don't
1: know. Um, Well, that's a a great question um, from from your listeners. Um, That's something that's obviously an area that's very murky, so it's quite difficult to do research in. It's not an area that, like, we've got much visibility over. Um, That, again, is a bit more of a legalistic sort of question. And firms firms tend to be very good at not, uh, you know, having the smoking gun where you can record their emails between each other saying that they weren't higher um, because that's, I think, probably, you know, if not illegal, but definitely very unethical. But yeah, uh, I can't I can't comment further on whether or not people are doing that because okay. we just don't have the evidence for that. Uh,
0: but as I say, we've had low unemployment now for a while. It's been, you know, on the face of it, um, a, a, a seller's market in the sense that, you know, there's been a shortage of, of workers in some areas. Is there something else going on at the moment? For instance, housing, because we know that the housing market is so tight at the moment. Would that make the thought of moving daunting or perhaps impossible or certainly very, very expensive. Is that a blockage?
1: Absolutely. The housing market's a very big factor in people's decision-making when it comes to moving jobs. Because often switching jobs means you might have to move house to be closer to your new job, right? And there's a few factors at play. Like you said, the housing markets very tight. But the other big thing which we've found in our own research is stamp duty. Stamp duty, the burden of stamp duty has you know, increased sixfold for people across Australia. For example, in Sydney, uh, three decades ago, stamp duty cost you about one month of your take-home pay uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the typical worker. But today, it now costs six months of your take-home pay just to pay the stamp duty when you want to move house. That's obviously a very big impediment um, to people choosing whether or not to relocate to a new uh, suburb or a new city and that sort of thing. And that's causing people to not want to to switch jobs because it's just too expensive mm. to, to move house.
0: Well, yeah. And there's also, as I say, very little housing um, housing availability. I mean, there was a report out recently looking at regional housing. There's been a, a more than 50% increase in regional housing prices. Average vacancy, vacancy rates in the regions are below 1.4%. So even if you can afford it, it's just often nowhere to go.
1: Yeah, that's that's completely right. We've got some of the tightest uh, rental markets in the country, both in the regions and in the capital cities. And especially when uh, a lot of people during the pandemic did move into the regions, that's driven up a lot of uh, demand for property in the regions. Um, And there obviously isn't quite as much, you know, quite as many homes in the regions as in the cities. And yeah, that's created that 50% uh, 50 increase in rent prices that are, that you caught out just now, Fran.
0: Okay. And we're almost out of time, but it is worth pointing out, I suppose, that um, a changing economy means that some particularly older workers might be forced to change jobs as their industry shut down or relocate, and the new opportunities often pay less. So, it's not the case always that moving gives you a higher salary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, that's that's a factor. Forced moves are, are difficult, especially for older workers who might have been working in a particular industry for, for decades and have up a lot of experience in those areas. Um, like the research finds that, you know, the pay increases for older workers are lower, but often this is driven by non-financial. We find that that's often driven by you know non-financial factors. Mm. Um, insofar as you know, people switching jobs not just for a pay rise, but also because you know they might be at a stage in their life cycle where they want a you know more flexible job that maybe pays less. Because yeah. It- uh, part-time or, um, you know, lifestyle factors matter. They want to move, you know, away from the city and, okay. you know, live by a coastal town, that sort of thing. Um, so obviously these estimates are averages. Some people are moving up the job ladder, others are moving down.
0: Okay. Aaron, we've got to leave um, it there. So, yeah, Th- yeah. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thanks very much for your time, Frank.
0: Aaron Wong is the Senior Research Economist at the E61 Institute. ABCRN helps you understand the world.